You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we've returned here with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostraker of Ravens Wire, and it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show a very special guest, former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion, Kadri Ismail. And Kadri, this game coming up for the Ravens, this week 11 matchup with the Bears, it's a big one, in my opinion, especially after dropping that game in week 10 to Miami, 22 to 10. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic and uh, looking forward to an interesting rebounding matchup with uh, the Bears. Yeah, for sure. And, and starting off, before we actually get into that game, I think it's important to talk a bit about that loss to Miami because it was just such a shocker to so many people about just how this offense performed and something we don't really say a lot or even think about is the fact that it's the offense that really, for the most part, was the reason this team lost the game. The defense had some untimely plays, some big plays given up. But on the offensive side of the ball, Baltimore goes to a 14 on third down. They can't get off to a fast start. The play calling isn't there. The adjustments aren't there. They can't handle the blitz. For me, Kadri, it seems like this team just couldn't get it going on offense. What did you see out of this offense that concerned you coming out of this game and were the main reasons you think they might have dropped this one? Well, Kevin, I think if you look at what this week was about, it's a short week. It's you're playing a game in overtime. You've secured the game against the Vikings. Now it's heading into a very short week with your preparation. Sure, you can talk about preparation before the season, during the season, your advanced scouting, everything is nice and ready to go. However, when you look at the actual go out there, practice, and get your mind right, it's not going to be the same physical style. You can't. So you're going to have a walkthrough. You're going to be in a position where it's just a little bit different than what you've been accustomed to during a normal week. So there's going to be some things that you're not going to be able to necessarily prepare for or plan for. And I think what for Miami – and you talk about offense, Miami's offense was definitely left for dead. They weren't sure whether or not it was going to be Tua going up or not, or Jacoby Brissett. Obviously, Jacoby was the guy who um, went out and, and played. Um, Brissett, in my mind, if he didn't get hurt, would probably be looking at a Ravens win. So you kind of look at that and say, man, why couldn't y'all just let the guy just still be out there? But – I digress for what the Ravens offense had to face was an all out, very aggressive defense by the Miami Dolphins. And anytime a defense has a short week and an offense has to travel down, I just think that it's to the advantage of the defense. And so simplifying things, when you haven't covered zero, meaning there's everyone at the line of scrimmage, you're locked in on all your skill positions and they're going to aggressively get after the quarterback, they're going to try to bring one or two more guys than you can block. For that scenario, you have to make, as an offense, you have to make them pay. You have to have a big play off of that cover zero. you got to get them out of that look. For me, as a receiver, I love cover zero. I love when it's all out blitz because I know I can beat my guy man to man. I know that that's what it's all about. And so – those missed opportunities, a la Sammy Watkins in the back of the end zone. And at first glance, it looked like he kind of stopped because the ball was overthrown. But when you kept seeing the replay, you're like, wow, he he 
could have made that play. Like, why didn't he make that play? And so I think there are some things there offensively that you didn't take advantage of what the defense was giving you, and you never really got into a good rhythm. Running the football has been kind of an issue. We know what Lamar can do, but without that element of pause and trying to figure out what the offensive line slash other running back is doing, now that limits the brilliance of Lamar, and it brings in uh, easier time to corral the dynamic Lamar Jackson. So those are my thoughts as far as what went on against the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, all great points there, Kajri. And I think that for a Ravens team that is usually so good on the offensive side of the ball, it's just a bit of a shock to see them not really have any adjustments. And it seems like a really controversial topic at this point is the offensive coordinator and Greg Roman. And I think, you know, a lot of people have a lot of varying opinions on his play this season, his play calling this season. I think for the most part, he's been better than I I thought he would be. I think he's made adjustments. He's done a good job. He's had bad quarters, bad halves. But for the most part, I thought he's been better this season. Now Miami, it it was a bit of a, a different story there. But we also saw Lamar, Lamar Jackson going up to the line, making some checks. And, and it seems like he was trying to check into some of those short passes. And usually against the cover zero defense, you know, a way to beat him is with the short passing game, the screen game. And it just was not working. So what do you talk about this Miami loss? Do you view this more as a play calling fault or an execution fault? Or is it kind of in the middle of both? So from a Greg Roman standpoint, people want to get the low-hanging fruit. You didn't complain when they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. You didn't complain when they came from behind in multiple games and looked really good and, you know, secured the victory. You don't complain when you're you're looking at a 6-3 first-place opportunity with all the different injuries that you've had across the board on offense. Um, But fans are fans, and people are going to complain, and they've been complaining ever since – Greg Roman has gotten here. I love the fact that you have T. Martin and Keith Williams both coming in to booster and bolster up the, the passing attack. The passing attack has been strong. It's been solid, Kevin. So when I look at it, for me, I'm like, what, what do you want him to do? He's not out there necessarily throwing the ball. And so you'll say, well, yeah, but he's the guy that puts people in the right position. Well, he did put him in the right position when, you know, Lamar – was throwing it up to Sammy Watkins. Sammy has to make that play. That changes the landscaping of the game. You know, from a a running back aspect of things, you know, whether it be Le'Veon Bell, obviously Latavius Murray is going to be coming back, and it looks like he's on the mend, but that's good. But, you know, you have to, you know, run the ball effectively. Freeman was good, but there were times where I thought, my God, man, he's going to burst. Oh, oh. So from a running back or play caller to the running back running game, I'm calling a scheme that will go against this defense. You got to execute it. So when he does do that, and when you look at the way in which Freeman kind of got up the field and into the second level, there's no play caller in all of football that's going to make a big play on the sideline, everything happens on the field. And that's where I think that there's that special back that you don't have in JK or Gus Edwards any longer. Sure. That, you know, ship is sailed. We get it. They're injured. They're not coming back this year, but,
But I think we need to pump the brakes also then and be more realistic when it comes to Greg Roman and the play calling. Quick game, that's not their MO. They try to get it out there as far as some of the bubble screens. Those did not work. So I think there's some details there that they can put into place. Again, short week, short opportunity. From a bigger picture standpoint of preparation, I'm glad it happened now because you are going to see some aggressive defenses, and I think that they'll be better equipped to handle them. Yeah, and for Roman, it seems like people are upset at the fact that, you know, the, the play clock is getting down low and it's hitting the double zeros and, you know, feel for the game timeliness, for example, like a second and 17 run with Le'Veon Bell that gets, I think it was one yard. So it's things like that. But at the same time, it's also on the players, too. I'm not going to place all the fault on Greg Rowan. I'm not going to place all the fault on an execution standpoint by the players. It's it's hand in hand. And I think with the Ravens having consistency at the offensive coordinator position after having so many different ones with Joe Flacco, where you saw, you know, Mark Tressman, Gary Kubiak, Cam Cameron, Jim Caldwell, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Having that continuity is good, but at the same time, if the play caller is not the right fit for the quarterback and Lamar Jackson, if Lamar Jackson's outgrown Greg Roman, we'll, we'll see about how Greg Roman responds in this week. But I do think at the end of the day, he is still a good offensive coordinator. He does have his faults for sure, but we'll see how he ends up handling these next couple of weeks and seeing if he is the right fit for the Ravens. But Q, I do want to talk about the defense a little bit in this game, because usually when a defense only allows one offensive touchdown, it's enough to win the football game. And they lost this game. It seemed like, though, the big fault for this defense was the big plays and the timeliness of those big plays. We saw one at the end of the first half, which got the Dolphins points. Another one after the Ravens get a little bit of momentum, scoring a touchdown. And then all of a sudden, you have a Dolphins receiver running up the sideline for 50, 60 yards. How big of a concern for you are these big plays? Because this isn't just a Miami thing. This has happened throughout the course of the regular season. So how big, how big of a concern is that for you moving forward? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a concern because upper-tier teams don't make mistakes like that. Upper-tier teams, they communicate very well and effectively. Sure, you're going to get a guy beat because that's the NFL and that we all get paid. But mental errors, I think that's something that you know coaches really get frustrated about and they – they bristle at. You don't want a mental error. You don't want to give a team a free one or an easy one. So communication is pivotal. Relaying the call, making sure that everybody has it, and even if you think you have it, make sure the other guy knows that you know, that he knows that you know, both of you know exactly what to do, and then go out there and do it. And so, yeah, I was surprised because, you know, we talk about coordinators. Well, on the flip side of things, Wink Martindale has done a phenomenal job as well. And remember, even a little bit back with Greg Roman, we're talking about Lamar Jackson and his skill set and his growth. I think if you have a healthy offensive line, my goodness, and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, like you're not even – we're not even having this conversation. Greg Roman is about to be coach of the year again, offensive coach of the year again, because of the way in which – that offense was humming along and, and some of the new pieces and better ways that they were going to be utilizing, you know, guys. So pump the brakes on that because then when you look at Wink Martindale, you know, for Wink, I am certain he's like kicking himself because Anthony Averett, strong, solid, and, and doing his thing, but he's no Marcus Peters. And, you know, at the same time, for whatever the reason, you also look at Marlon Humphreys, Marlowe is having just an okay year. He's not having that stud, I am the guy kind of a year that we were looking at and, and having him trend as one of the top corners. 
you know, his interceptions or his, you know, uh, fruit punch, punching out, um, causing turnovers is not there. Obviously, we know the woes that kind of been with the linebacking core, somewhat been a little bit cleaned up with uh, Josh Bynes getting in that middle linebacker. But but Kevin, I I look at this whole picture and, and say, yeah, scheme-wise, you know, are we saying it's a scheme? I mean, Wink has to make some level of adjustments or simplify things because as well as the guys have played, there's no excuse for the big plays to have happened and the way they happened was because of a lack of communication. Yeah, and for a defense that I think a lot of people have identified as almost like a bend-don't-break unit where they will give up the short stuff in terms of preventing the big plays, they're now giving up the big plays and also giving up the short stuff in the passing game. This is the worst-ranked defense in terms of passing yards given up, so it has not been a good year for the secondary overall, considering they have a ton of talent there, but you know they lost to Sean Elliott. Obviously, you know Marcus Peters. They've had a couple guys banged up as well. So, yeah, the big plays, there's just things that can't happen, especially moving into a really tough stretch in weeks 12 through 18 where you're talking about Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and then you have the Rams and the Packers and and the divisional game. So, you know, if they can iron this stuff out against Chicago, I think it'll be a huge, huge step towards just getting confidence and saying, hey, look, our communication, it wasn't there against Miami, but, hey, we're getting it back now. We're starting to really feel it, and I think that'll be huge. We'll head into our first break. When we get back, we'll be diving into that Ravens and Bears matchup, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back. Hey, Ravens fans, this is Kevin Ostriker with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about and get upside. Just download the free get upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back so you can get upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account paypal or any gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free get upside app and use promo code touchdown to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank that's code touchdown we return here it's our second segment of this purple friday edition of locked on ravens kevin ostriker still here with kadri ismail and kadri i think when looking at this ravens offense going up against this bears defense let's let's start there one of the things that has been a concern for this team has been fast starts and how they have not been able to get off to those fast starts. For example, in Miami, the Ravens had their first two drives. They got some momentum, but only got three points out of it. So how important against this Bears defense that isn't necessarily a, a daunting unit this year, how important is it for them to get off to a fast start? Anytime you're on a road, momentum is key and king. And if you can capture it, then that's going to favor you. You want to I'm not going to say that the other team is going to just roll over, but I will say that the way in which you 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 impose your will is by yes, number one, getting the ball, possessing the ball, going down the field, and yes, making sure that the crowd is nullified because you just scored. What I think for this Ravens ball club, and part of the reasons why they've had those slow starts, it's it's that beginning of the year continuity but now you're talking about mid-year where you're getting into those later months and that's when you're supposed to be playing your best football so the excuse of well you know it's okay they're going to find it you know well you know they didn't have you know this offense alignment or that offense alignment 
valid points. Injuries happen. Sure, you're going to have some kind of issues as far as mesh points with Lamar and the new running backs and all that, and so that's going to kind of hamper you. Passing attack-wise, I think they've been phenomenal this year. Uh, so it, it is surprising that they haven't um, been able to get off to, like in the Lamar Jackson era, he just goes down and scores. Like that was what it was. Oh, well, hey, let's, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the press box and like, all right, what, what's going to happen? You know, you know, they're going to be relying heavily on Justin Tucker or what? No, oh, touchdown. Oh, okay, great. All right, well, you know, let's see. Oh, okay, they scored again. Wow, that, that you know, 14 nothing. And then you would see where, you know, the other team, the ebbs and flows of the game. But then in the fourth quarter, because of the physicality of the running game, that would take over again. You'd have another long sustaining drive, 11 or 14 plays, however many. Boom. And in in red zone, red zone means points. And they're walking away with six again. And so then they seal the deal. And that was what this Ravens ball club was built on. And I think – they lost a lot of that, and a lot of that in the beginning of the year could be easily attributed to the fact that they have had those injuries. Yes, one, two. You're looking at guys that just that they know, but they just don't know. Now, what excuse do you have? You you said it perfectly, Kevin. Like, look at the schedule. The division games like matter double. And you let one slip away against Cincinnati. I would have rather have flopped the Chargers loss or win and given the L there just so you can have the Cincinnati win. And now the Cincinnati win, a loss, I should say. Cincinnati is kind of who we thought they were using Denny Green's uh, mantra because they were good, but then they lose – to the Jets, then they get whooped up on by Cleveland. This division is going to be one of those divisions where it comes down to the final week of the season. And so you got to start fast and not be cliche when I say you got to start fast. We're talking where's the 14, 15-yard run? Where's the second and two? Where is the – you know, yeah, we're taking our shots because we want to because you got eight guys in a box and you're thinking we can't get it over the top, but we are going to stick it in your eyeball. Where's that swagger? That's something that I think is going to be sorely needed against Chicago. Yeah, I 100% agree. And even taking your point a bit further about the schedule, you know, coming out of that, but I thought it was so important for this team to go 3-0 and in that stretch of Minnesota, Miami, and Chicago. And arguably the game that they couldn't lose, they lost because it was an AFC opponent. So, you know, you're talking about a Minnesota game or a Chicago game where you're like, oh, you know, it's not going to really impact the conference record. But Miami, you're looking to week 17, week 18, fighting for seeding. That could have an impact. So the divisional games really important. Conference games really important as well. But Q, you mentioned the running backs. And the Ravens made a couple of shuffles in that regard over the week. Le'Veon Bell no longer a member of the team at this point. And I think that opens up an opportunity for Tyson Williams potentially to get some carries here if the Ravens do decide to go that route. Now, Latavius Murray, hopefully he's able to suit up in this one. And he'll maybe bring in a little bit more of a role there. But also... Could the team maybe bring up Nate McRae from the practice squad, you know, in these coming weeks? There are a lot of areas they could go for. But do you think that this is maybe a signal that Tyson Williams is about to get a jump in a role here and get some carries? Ooh, well, <laughs> I guess 
if, if he is, and, and yes, that means obviously Le'Veon Bell's not here, but when John Harbaugh calls you out, and he doesn't necessarily overtly call you out, but when he calls you out enough to be like, yo, like special teams matters on this team. If you are the third guy, you better be doing special teams. Um, blocking, breaking tackles. You know, we talk about Freeman, again, Miami game, should have had a bigger run than what he had, and he wound up, you know, getting tackled. The bigger run is what separates you. That's where those separation-type plays, I need to see it from Tyson Williams if he's going to be a significant contributor or else I could see they're like, well, we already know we got a new bro. We're going to go ahead and go back to Le'Veon because you got a known commodity and Le'Veon, obviously, you have you haven't contributed to special teams. Well, last we checked, Le'Veon didn't either. So, what are we going to do? We're going to rely upon a person that kind of has a knownness to his game, and he's dependable. I think this is a pivotal, pivotal game. If Tyson Williams um, gets his opportunity, he's going to have to make absolutely the most of it. Yeah, he definitely will. And I think, yeah, this this is a, a pivotal moment for him, as you talked about, because, you know, I don't think the Ravens in the Eric DaCosta era have been shy about letting guys go who just don't contribute. You know, we saw it with Tim Williams in 2019, Kenny Young, who got traded away. You know, so if a guy's not contributing, you know, it's not like they're going to keep him around and say, you know what, we're going to work through this. If they really know and they say this is not working out, they're, they're going to really make a move. So with the Ravens having Nate McCrary on the practice squad, Bell potentially waiting in the wings if something doesn't work out, they could do that. So this is a big stretch for Williams for sure. But Q, I, I think also the Ravens could be getting some reinforcements back on offense in this one that could be really, really key for them in tight end Nick Boyle and maybe even Pesha Makari, a tackle who was playing Please. phenomenal football, right? Yeah, it's they need a guy like him back because this offensive line has just been going through it all season long with Ronnie Stanley in the left guard position, having a bunch of injuries, and now Makari being out. How big of an impact if those two are able to suit up what they have, not only on the run game, but also in pass protection? Yeah, so again, going back to Greg Roman, going back to he, he being on the hot seat and play calling and all that, oh, it's a heck of a lot easier play calling-wise when everything works. How does everything work? That means that no matter what the defense does, you can impose your will on the defense. I am thinking this. If Macari, Boyle, if you look at the way they use Mark Andrews in, in the uh, run game, Patrick Ricard, that's like bully ball part two. Bully ball part two is where you get those big runs because you're dominating in the up front and the running back is getting into that second level. And so, yeah, they come back, they're healthy. That helps out this offense tremendously. Yeah, and really the, the pass game feeds off of the run game. The run game feeds off of the pass game. And I think for the first couple of seasons with Lamar Jackson at the helm, a lot of people were complaining, you know, the pass offense isn't up to snuff with the run game and it's impacting how things work. Well, it's kind of been the opposite this season where the run game, you know, you look at the actual box score stats, they're like top five in every category. But if you're really watching the team, you kind of know something's not really right here considering what we've seen. So I think that for Baltimore, getting a player like Boyle back and a player like Makari back, 
it helps both in the run game and in the pass game, especially because Boyle has grown his game to the point where he's not just a blocking guy anymore. He can also go out there and catch some passes. So I think that's also really big. And I think if those two can return, you know, we could see an uptick in rushing production. Definitely. We're going to head into our final break, though. When we get back, we'll be flipping the field, talking about the Ravens defense going up against that Bears offense. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be back soon. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you're missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lies than ever before. Bet online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, posters, and NHL boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bundle all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. We return. It's our final segment, Purple Friday here. Kevin Ostriker is still here with former Ravens wide receiver Kadri Ismail. And Kadri, I think that this defensive performance of the Ravens is going to say a lot about them. Because after having such an overall dominant performance outside of the big plays in Miami, kind of building on that will be really key. And going up against a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields is going to be big for them because I think we've seen over the years that especially with this Don Martindale led defense, how exotic the packages are rookie guys, second year guys, third year guys playing against this defense for the first time can sometimes have a lot of struggles diagnosing at the line and doing a lot of things. An example, Justin Herbert in week six, you know, comes into that game as an MVP candidate early on in the year. It's his first time playing a Ravens defense and he struggles tremendously. You go to week seven and since against Cincinnati, Joe Burrow, that's his second time playing the Ravens the first time in 2020 he was not good at all probably his worst game as a professional and then the second time he lights him up especially in the second half so adjustments were made but the point being you know I think that the Ravens could have some defensive success against the quarterback that the offensive line that he has blocking for him is not the best you know the offensive weapons they're kind of there not really how aggressive do you think this Ravens defense is going to be coming out in this one yeah I, I think defensive aggressiveness you have to be extremely careful when you look at your bigger picture. Your bigger picture is obviously we've kind of struggled with tackling and open field tackling. We've struggled with giving up big plays at, at wrong times. Um, you reference back on the Burroughs game, darn near Jamar Chase is going to win rookie of the year just simply because you had a, 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 a you picked the wrong time to go ahead and go man to man and watch that young man just explode up for what, 201 yards. I know that for Wink, it is built within him to be aggressive. I think that they need to be strategic as far as their looks, the aggressiveness of their looks. In other words, overloading one side or another, dropping a guy, you know, whether it be a zone dog blitz, uh, meaning that the end is looking like he's coming and you're going to actually back him out and you're going to send another guy from the opposite side. Uh, you know, Tavon Young does a really good job of being an aggressive uh, corner blitzer. Obviously, we've seen what, what Marlon Humphreys, he can do. He has a very aggressive tendency as far as his 
um, blitzing capability. So it's all there. You know, they they can in fact be that that team that you know could confuse a young quarterback. And we know that uh, yeah, with Matt Nagy and and in the way Chicago has been, you know, Justin Fields has had some confusion with with uh, aggressive looks. So can you disguise your look and really just be vanilla on the back end to be safe? Allow, you know, your defense to, to confuse, get some confusing looks and hopefully, yeah, create some momentum via turnovers. I think that's going to be so significant. Getting a young guy frustrated and not allowing him to have that confidence to say, all right, I can, I can stand in the pocket and make some plays or, you know, I get outside the pocket and scramble, and in my pressure that I, I, I meaning the Ravens defense, have brought, you know, Justin Fields is, is scrambling down the field for a big play. I think that's something, too, that in the back of my mind after looking at what Tua did and, 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 and again, as you were saying, with Burrow, and, you know, I just think that there's something there that you've got to really just hang your hat on um, and 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 avoid at all costs giving up the big play. Yeah, and with the pressures and with the blitzes and even just the pass rush, coming into the Miami game, the Ravens were averaging right around 1.9 sacks per game. They were in the bottom third of the league. And the Ravens over the past couple seasons, they've been a high-pressure team, but a relatively low sack team overall. And there's been the questions of, all right, is it the players? Is it the scheme? Why can't the Ravens finish plays, bringing the quarterback down? And against the Miami offensive line, that has just not been good at all. It was almost like coming into that game, it was a, if the Ravens can't do it against Miami, who are you doing it against? So they get four sacks. They show that they can do it. Against the Chicago offensive line that also has not been amazing this year, you know, how big of a either concern or not a concern is this pass rush for you, especially when they don't blitz and only rush four? <sighs> because, and I sigh because – you know, Adafi always started off so good and fast. And, I mean, the brilliance of it was was great. And, you know, I'm sure Eric DeCosta probably was thinking to himself, man, I, I drafted a good one. But where you been? Um, Justin Houston, you know, he got his 100th sack. But, okay, um, we want more. You know, that, I don't think that that's unreasonable. I think anytime you know, you can – yeah, just have your upfront guys, whether it be bringing four or five, you know, you, you want, you know, to, to be able to apply pressure, and that takes a lot of pressure off of your secondary. Um, but, yeah, I think this is a team that doesn't have that guy that can just take over a game consistently. I think we've seen it in spurts, like in Adafi Owe, but we haven't seen it consistently, and that's something that, you know, I'm hoping they have a, a, a breakout game and kind of reset the table as far as an aggressive upfront defense is concerned. Yeah, if you're able to get pressure, especially obviously when you're blitzing, but if you're rushing forward and not sending that pressure overall, you know, for a secondary, every second that they're covering, there's less of a chance that they're going to be able to stick with a guy. You know, so when they're asked to cover for four, five, six, seven seconds, you start to get in that dicey territory of, all right, a guy's going to shake free or break free or come back to the football. So for a Ravens team that has sometimes struggled getting the quarterback down, I think it'll be important for them to continue their momentum that they picked up in Miami just with a couple of nice pass rushing plays and getting the quarterback down. 
on the ground. But Q, I do want to get your thoughts on this game overall, just how you think it's going to go for the Ravens. Now, the first time you joined me here on the show, you predicted that the Bengals game could have been a trap game. And lo and behold, the Ravens end up losing to Cincinnati in week seven. So what are your predictions for this one? Do you see this as a game where the Ravens can come out strong, come out fast and really put together a nice bounce back winner? Is it a game where maybe they come out flat and it's a second consecutive loss? Whew. You know, they, for whatever the reason, they play, you know, the Bears tight. Last time they played was 2018. It was a one-point victory. Um, I'm, I'm kind of indifferent on this game. Uh, you know, I wasn't expecting them to lose to, to Miami. I thought that would be a game in which they can kind of build up some momentum and obviously kind of really reset the table when it goes Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. So I'm not looking ahead. But I think this is a game in which I think the team can get caught looking ahead. What's working in their favor is that they had an ugly loss and they're going to want some redemption. I'm curious as to the energy level of Lamar Jackson, who this week missed two practices. So where is he at in the whole scheme of things? I know that, you know, this is a league where you're never going to be 100% once the game's begin and training camp begins but yeah how well will he be able to to have the energy to play and who else is going to be there to step up um so i look at this game simply put it's going to be a tight one early on but i do think the ravens can pull it out i think the fact that you know things are nullified when you got justin tucker i'll bet the i believe the kick might have been um, tipped down in Miami. Um, but I think that overall, yeah, this is a game in which we got Justin Tucker, you don't. And I think Lamar Jackson, anytime you play an out-of-conference, you know, people are like, whoa, you know, I'm not used to this style, even though you might have a dynamic running slash combo quarterback on your side in Justin Fields. You haven't seen a Lamar Jackson experience. Sometimes guys can get caught you know, staring and as he's running right by you. So it is a Ravens victory, but it's not going to be easy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it will also be a Ravens victory. I have it right at about a seven, 10 point margin. I think, you know, some people are seeing Chicago, seeing Justin Fields and you know, seeing Matt Nagy there as the head coach and being like, how can you not beat this team? But honestly, you know, this is the NFLs we literally just saw in week 10. Any team can go in and beat any other team, regardless of record, regardless of how well they're playing. But I think the the factors for me, you mentioned Justin Tucker. The Justin Tucker effect is real. Let me tell you, it, it is definitely real. But I do think that just with Justin Fields being inexperienced, being a young quarterback, not having the best offensive line and playing against a very complex and exotic Ravens defense, that could be a thing early on where you talk about fast starts and we talked about it here on the show. This team could really do some damage. And if they get out to a 10, 14 point lead, they could maybe start their ball, ball control offense, especially if a guy like Boyle and Macari, they come back, that could really help out. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to say it's about a 10 point Ravens victory for me, maybe seven, could be even in the range of 13, but I'm, I'm excited for a good game on Sunday. But Kaji, that's all that I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me here once again on the show. And I, again, a good game on Sunday, hopefully, and hopefully the Ravens will come out of this one, seven and three. Yeah, looking forward to a great game and uh, awesome show again, Kevin. Thanks. Thanks so much. Let me get back here on Monday after our two-day break. We'll be diving into everything that happened in the Ravens matchup with Chicago. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you on Monday.